Welcome back, podcast friends, to I Am Healthy and Fit. I Am Healthy and Fit is the affirmation that begins changing your health and fitness from the inside out. I'm Steve Jordan, your health and fitness coach. Welcome, Dr. Todd Sinat, to the I Am Healthy and Fitness podcast for the second time. It's great to have you back on the show, and we've got some exciting conversations today uh, talking about two books you just finished in the past eight months or so, and I'm excited to talk about them. I uh, thank you so much for having me back again, and uh, I can't wait to discuss both books, so uh, thanks so much for having me. Of course. Well, you know, you are, uh, you're a chiropractor by trade. Um, but you are so much more than that. Like you are a holistic doctor, in my opinion, right? So chiropractic is, you know, the the practice or the skills of manipulating one's back and nervous system to create space and energy and chi flow and all that good stuff to help people who are perhaps suffering from lower back pain. I mean, it can go all the way back to, you know, adjusting kids and, and, and infants for their optimal health. Uh, and there's a whole talk and conversation about that. But you go outside of the box and think about health from a much more holistic and whole approach appeal than just snap, crackle, and pop. And that's yeah. what I love about having you on the show and about you and your practice because you're, you're creating a more well-rounded uh, approach to health and wellness. And in my opinion, it's much deeper than that, you know, snap, crackle, pop. Yeah, it feels good in the moment and, you know, you might get, at, get, get relief from pain. But how do we prevent that? And how do we look, where do we look elsewhere other than just our posture um, yeah. to find out causes of the pain that we're, we're experiencing? So let's dive into it. Um, you know, again, give a little bit of background on, on you and how you got to this place of uh, this full 360 approach to health and wellness. Because for those who hadn't heard our, our last podcast, I want them to know who you are. Sure. Well, well thank you so much. So, uh, yes, I'm a second generation chiropractor. Um, and what happened was my father was a regular chiropractor for 15 years. He graduated in 1959 from chiropractic school. He'd been doing it for about 15 years. And then one day he bent down to pick up a tennis ball uh, and his back went out. And uh, quite frankly, for nine months, he was 100% bedridden with severe back pain. And he was a chiropractor at the time. So he went to every known profession, certainly including his own, to get some relief from his back pain. And nobody can help him. Uh, and then they decided that one surgeon recommended exploratory surgery, which really means that they're going to cut you open and look and see if they find anything. So that's not a very good option. So he didn't choose that. But he wound up seeing this doctor with a very different approach. So all the doctors were trying to get rid of my dad's back spasms. So they were focused on the what, which was the back spasms. But this doctor focused on the why. So he's asking the question, well, why is my father getting these back spasms? So my father was a healthy kind of fit guy, and it just didn't really make any sense. So this doctor's theory was that my father's diet was filled with sugar. Uh, it was basically dessert. He grew up in a household where dessert after every meal, um, muffins and croissants, bagels, and cakes were an acceptable breakfast. And back then when he grew up, as long as you were thin, you were considered healthy. So essentially the doctor's theory was the sugar in my dad's diet was upsetting his digestive system, and then it was reflexing and affecting the muscular system. So the theory of what you are, what you eat can affect the muscular system back then was completely unheard of. It's a little strange today, but completely unheard of back then. So my dad really didn't have any other choices except exploratory surgery, so he changed his diet. And within two weeks, he was 100% cured uh, of his back pain. And he had never in school, never heard of it, never learned of it. No one has ever discussed the role of diet and nutrition in relation to back pain. 
So after my dad uh, got healed, he dedicated his approach, this complete different approach to back pain or different approach to health, whereas back pain is not just a structural, muscular, bone, disc, nerve issue. Yes, that can be the case, but it will also be dietary or digestive in nature. And the other factor, which is the most prevalent, according to Stanford University, is emotions and stress. So if you're suffering from back pain and you're seeing someone who's not addressing all three factors of the back pain, it's pretty much doomed to fail. So as a chiropractor, I love to adjust people and give them a structural treatment, but that's only a third of the equation. So even if you go see an orthopedist and they're just looking at the structural aspect of back pain, they're only giving you a third of the diagnosis and a third of the solutions and calling it 100%. And that's essentially why we have this epidemic of back pain. It's because philosophically, we're not approaching it properly. So the solution to back pain for some could be seeing a nutritionist, changing your diet, seeing a gastroenterologist, getting your gut right. It could be doing stress management. It could be meditation. It could be yoga, seeing a, a therapist. It could be um, anti-anxiety uh, pills. Uh, or it could be seeing a chiropractor, doing some physical therapy, doing some rehab, fixing your posture. Or it could be a combination of all of that. And that's the approach that I'm trying to spread the gospel on because that's going to be the difference maker so we can change this epidemic of back pain. I love it. And I think that's so spot on. Um, I had back surgery uh, 16 years ago. We discussed this in our last episode. I had a microdisectomy because I had herniated discs and L5S1, which so many people have. Uh, I would say you're, you probably know the stats better than I, but let's just say nine out of 10 people have a herniation of some sort somewhere in their spine. And, uh, you know, I was really fit. Uh, my diet was, in hindsight, knowing what I know now, was above average right? But it was not as good as it is now because I know more and there's more, uh, more science in nutrition today than there was even 16 years ago. Um, but what I was dealing with was, was more emotional stress. Um, and that emotional stress was like really weighing down on me. And when I finally went to therapy, I, my back cleared up. Like it was almost like, you know, I had read and, and, and had read in books, but I never really could understand like the hypo, they, they, they call it um, uh, hyposomatic or, you know, like, like, like you're, you're, you're thinking yourself in the back pain, you know, kind of thing. There was and, a study I, that, they, I'm sorry to interrupt, but there yeah, was a go. study that antidepressants work better than anti-inflammatories to treat back pain. It's incredible. And, and that's and, incredible. That makes a lot of sense because if uh, the number one factor for back pain is emotions and stress, mm -hmm. then that's why an antidepressant would work better than anti-inflammatory. And I'm not espousing that we should all be taking antidepressants. Right. I'm just merely pointing out that we got to look at all this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, listen, after a couple months, I was like rid of back pain. I was like amazed at what I was able to do just through the therapy and what happened automatically. I didn't think about the, the intention of going to therapy to relieve back pain, but it just all of a sudden went away. And that's when I like the aha moment came on. And that's when I started to look into all of these three factors as well. It's why I vibe with you so well and love the, the information that you put out there because listen, the I'm focusing. Yeah. I focus on fitness. Feeling is mutual. I feel the same way. About you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Cause I focus on fitness, right. As an approach to, you know, be strong, more flexible, have optimal health, cardiovascularly and physically uh, to do the things that you want to do. It's called functional fitness. 
Um, and I help change posture as well, you know, through exercises, uh, corrective exercises. But there's so much more to it. And it's the nutrition, it's the lifestyle, it's the stress, it's the sleep. Uh, it's the what we're going to talk about your poop. Um, yep. You know, I mean, it's all of it. Regular exercise works better than antidepressants. Yeah, I know. And that's a. So, so are, it's, listen, it's all tied together, right? Right. And if we don't understand and realize that it's all tied together and not looking at it from all aspects, we're missing it and we're never going to solve any of these problems. Totally. So, so we got to take a look at it all together. And that's the, that's the solution. No doubt. And you know what? The, the solution is to keep doing it over and over again. And you got to like try it all and work with it all together and find that, you know, that recipe that works for you. And then when you find it, you just continue to do it over and over again. Like yeah. people look at it as like a, a finite, like sort of period that they were like, okay, from, you know, this month to that month, I'm going to do this. No, no. like this stretch, this kneeling hip flexor stretch, you should be doing this every single day, two times a day at least, because you're sitting for so long and it just structurally puts a lot of stress on your back. So like do this two or three times a day, get up and stretch outside of your chair, like do the things that we're sharing with you on a regular basis so that you can have this continued health and wellness. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, I would like to just add that, that yeah. the recipe that you're talking about, which I completely agree with, it's a unique recipe for each individual person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, all these things are very important, but we got to create that right, unique recipe. So for some, certain exercises are better than others. For some, certain foods are better than others. For some, relieving stress could be boxing, and for others, it could be getting a massage. So mm. it's figuring out what that recipe works for you and doing that recipe. Mm -hmm. And so how would you what would you recommend the listeners to find out how, which recipe is best for you? So like, we're going to discuss your book right now with one of the books, the first one okay. that you wrote about eight months ago called sit-ups are stupid and crunches are crap, which, you know, I, I agree as a trainer. I mean, people love doing crunches. I think, you know, and I do add them to my programming because people like to do them. Um, but I don't do that first. I make sure the structure is solid and stable and the nervous system is dialed in so that you can get the maximum results out of doing some sit-ups and crunches that are a little bit more functional in nature. Um, mm -hmm. But tell us a little bit about like that approach to, you know, your, this book, what it's about, why it's crap, why sit-ups are stupid. And then sort of what is the, what's, what's the, what is the solution for people to find what works for them? Like, how do they yep. know what is right before they go through a hundred yep. different, different things to try? Here you go. So, um, I can't move title syrups are stupid and crunches are crap because, uh, why not? Right. Come with a big, bold title. But, um, yeah, I honestly believe that syrups and crunches are the worst exercise you could ever do. And I don't think anyone should ever do that. So what happened was, is I was in my office working with, a. Uh, she actually happened to be an ESPN fitness model. So she is the ideal pinnacle look of health and fitness. And she looked great, but she felt like crap. And she had seen 20 some odd doctors and no one could figure out why she was having such severe neck, shoulder and lower back pain. Uh, and, you know, I took my crack at it. And I knew that if I looked at her the way everyone else looked at her, or I came up with the same theory that everyone else was going to come up with. I was going to be number 27, the 27th doctor who wasn't going to be able to help her. So I was asking her what she was doing, and she basically was doing all the sit-ups and crunches and the fitness shows. She was doing multiple shows a day, just doing thousands and thousands of sit-ups and crunches. So I had the theory that it was the sit-ups and crunches that was creating this instability or postural instability in her body. 
So we need a balance between forward bending, which is called flexion, and backward bending, which is extension. So I just thought she had too much of this and not enough of this. So I went into my uh, physical therapy room and I grabbed one of those big exercise balls and I had her lay over it or stretch over it. And immediately it was a life-changing event for her and ultimately for me because within two minutes, she felt so much better by just doing that stretch. It's like, oh my God, that was the most amazing feeling. And it made a huge difference for her. So I was so excited. I was working with my father at the time. I brought the ball over. I had him lay over the ball and then he fell off the ball. <laughs> so uh, I knew I had to create something that would give that type of effect uh, that would look a lot better. So I created a product called the Backbridge. And it's, which is um, awesome, the, which you, you gifted me on the last show, which I use and love. So, yes. Yeah. So it's basically um, cut. Uh, it looks like uh, half a of half an foam roller. Yep. Yeah. And then it comes with five different levels. So you can lay over it and do different heights. Uh, and then as you continue to improve and progress, you can lay over different. And basically what it does is it puts extension into your body. Okay. Which is the re reverse of what we saw. So the amazing thing was once I saw this um, problem that she had too much forward posture in her body, I was seeing it in basically everyone. So I was seeing it in the fitness models. I was seeing it in my professional athletes. I was seeing my weekend warriors. But I was also seeing it in the out-of-shape administrative assistants. Everyone is literally walking around with too much forward posture, right? So what are we doing? We're sitting in our cars, hunched over our smartphones, hunched over our computers. We're forward, 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 forward. So what do we need to do? We need to do the reverse. So the last thing you want to do is do go to the gym and do more sit-ups and crunches. So the first part of the book is really giving you the theory of that, of why you should not do any sit-ups and crunches. And quite frankly, that because we have too much flexion, it's throwing off our postural alignment as making everything unstable. And then it's cascading and creating lots of non-contact injuries, right? So you have this professional athlete who hits a ball, grounds at the second base or runs to first base and pulls a hamstring. 27%, you know, a large percentage of people are tearing their knees up, ACL tears are non-contact in, you know, they're just running, they stop and all of a sudden these things are blowing out. And no one has an answer. It's because their posture and their stability is so off because the different muscles are pulling in ways that it shouldn't be pulling. And that's because we have too much forward posture and too much flexion. So the first part of the book is giving all the theory of why we should not be doing sips and crunches. And then the second part of the book is the answer of what everyone says. So anyone I tell you should never do any sips and crunches, what's the question they ask? Why? How, how can I work out my abs? Yeah. How do I get the core I want? Right? So that's the second part of the book. And I go through a whole bunch of myths. And one of my favorite myths is um, everyone is walking around thinking they have a weak core. Right? Totally. They usually my have they, core, it's a weak back. Right. My core. Exactly. My core is weak. My core is weak. I'm like, well, actually, if anything, your core is too strong in relation to your back. Right? Yes. So I said, if your core is too weak, you'd be walking around like you're doing a limbo because the the front is the let's call the front the core and the back the back, right? So the two of them need to be pulling evenly. If they're pulling evenly, we're standing tall, we're breathing well, everything is aligned. And if the core is too strong and the back is too weak, we're hunched forward. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we're seeing. We're not seeing the reverse where the core, what's happening is where the core is too weak and the back is strong, too strong and we're walking in a limbo. We're not walking in a limbo, walking hunched forward, which means your core is over contracted shortened and too tight not too weak it's almost too strong yeah so what you want to do is you want to lengthen it stretch it elongate it 
And then you want to do the exercises that will strengthen it in conjunction with all the other muscles to get a good functioning core. Awesome. I love it. And uh, I learned a long time ago that your core is like, we don't walk around like chickens, right? When you're doing crunches, the core, the, the, the muscles of the abdominals are primary function is to decelerate trunk extension. So like if you didn't have a strong core, like when you lean back like that, you would just fall over yeah. doing backflips. So, you know, there's uh, what I like to do with like a lot of core work is work on that extension where you're moving back and like using, like we're it, focusing on deceleration of exactly. the core. Yeah. Rather than the contraction of this of, and the acceleration yep. of it. Because again, we're all walking around with too much contraction. Yeah. The last thing you do is bring more of that contraction. Yeah. So uh, that's why we came up uh, the sit-ups are stupid and crunches are crap. Awesome. I think it's, I think it's brilliant. Love the title. And, uh, I a hundred percent agree with it. We definitely are doing too much. Um, and you know, like I think that a lot of times most people should be starting with isometric core work or postural work because we can't control our moves. We don't know how to, how to activate them even. Right. So we start from exercise progression, simple to complex, easy to hard, no movement to movement. And we just do like planks or side planks or, you know, the variations of those to help activate. And there's other exercises I love to do, like abdominal bracing exercises where you're actually bracing. And, you know, for two minutes of like, I usually do like two, two and a half minutes of like an abdominal bracing exercise. Um, And these people get like burned out after like 45 seconds. They can't like, they don't have the endurance to brace their stomach. I always say, like contract your stomach as if I was going to take a punch and like hit you in your stomach, right? Like you would know what that would feel like. So you're going to brace. So what you want to do is relax that and contract it. And they relax, contract, relax, contract. And I have them do that again for like two and a half minutes. And once we get to that, their back pain is gone. Yeah. I mean, I, there was a t-shirt that I saw in an airport one time that, that really said everything to me or really made me laugh. And it was basically uh, this guy had a big gut, and it, the T-shirt basically said, "My beer gut is a protective covering of my six-pack abs." Yeah, right. And uh, you know, I love that. In the book, I have a picture of, of sumo wrestlers, and you would never argue that sumo wrestlers have a weak core or weak mm. abs, right? So it's so much of taking this full-body approach. If you want to get the abs you want, you have to change your diet, right? A lot of people starts say in the get- kitchen. It starts, the work starts in the kitchen, right? Yeah. You got to do the aerobic exercise to burn off the fat. You got to do the weightlifting. You got to do the core exercises, right? So if you're not having that full on approach to it, you're not going to get what you want. So no doubt, no doubt. Love it. Um, so where is this book available and how can people purchase it? Uh, it's on Amazon uh, called Soaps Stupid and Crunches of Crap. Awesome. Great. Everybody, you should definitely get that. I think it's an invaluable tool to have. It's a short read and it's a really, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a great, easy read, very self-explanatory. You know, you can use it as a, as a reference, you know, even rather than just reading it from cover to, you know, from all the photos of the different ab, everyone wants the ab exercises. We have photos of which ab exercise you should be doing. We tell you which one you should stay away from. Um, uh, It's really a lot of fun. It's a quick read. Great. Awesome. All right. Now on to, as we, we got into this uh, conversation, we got into another topic that um, I, I, I love to talk about. It was definitely because I love the expression on people's face or the, uh, their embarrassment when we discuss it. And that's your poop. Yes, I yeah. said poop, ladies and gentlemen. The stuff that comes out of your butt that everybody does, that every animal does, it's not 
silly. It's not funny. It's uh, actually, it's a very interesting uh, way to look at your health. And, you know, I've been using this as an opportunity tool for probably a decade to talk to my clients and, and learn about what they're eating, how they're eating, and find out more about their health, right? So you can find out a lot about someone's health, maybe what minerals are you're, you're uh, deficient in, uh, if you're dehydrated, uh, if you're eating the right kinds of food. And, and Dr. Todd will talk a lot more about other things that we can learn about from discovering your poop uh, rather than just flushing it. So um, go ahead and uh, Dr. Dr. Todd, <laughs> talk to us about your poop. <laughs> yeah. Not yours, but our poop. Yes. So uh, my new book that's just coming out uh, today, I don't know when the show will add, but it's, it's just coming out. Uh, and the book is called The Good Shit. And uh, it's all about uh, how to have a good shit and the importance of good shit. So, um, you know, the premise is, is that for every diet that's out there, there's a complete equal and opposite diet. Uh, and the only consensus regarding diets is there is no consensus. So there's paleo diets, there's vegetarian. There's going a long time between eating meals or fasting, and then there's eating every couple hours to balance your blood sugar. There's even diets that tell you you should be eating based off your blood type. So it's, there's no, how do you make sense of this conflicting bullshit is really what it is, right? So I realized how can all these different diets tout success and who's right and who's wrong? Wouldn't there be a consensus? But the answer is they're both right and they're both wrong. So what happens is someone will eat paleo, have a very good reaction to it, I think paleo is the way to go. And then they post some Instagram photos. They tout paleo and go paleo. And the person who didn't get a good result for paleo will sit there and maybe they have a good result in vegetarian and they're going to go on their cycle and say how great vegetarian is. And the answer is there is no one right diet. You have to figure out what's the right diet for you, right? It's mm -hmm. a unique situation. So then the question is, I was thinking, how do you figure out what's the right diet for you? And um, what happened was this all came to me um, when I was, uh, it was New Year's, I was decided to go on a health kick. I'd always eaten pretty healthy, but I decided I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to go for some really clean eating. I'm going to have oatmeal every day for breakfast, a salad every day from lunch, and lean proteins for dinner. And within five days, my health completely changed, but it all got worse. Mm. I got achy, stiff, gassy, bloated. My neck tightened up. I had no energy. I was foggy. And I couldn't, it made no sense to me. But the only difference was I changed my diet. So I went back to eating some varied food. I had some eggs for breakfast. I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on whole grain toast. I had a turkey sandwich. And within three days, everything felt better. And then I realized you have to figure out what's the right diet for you. And the barometer to figure out what's the right diet for you is it came to me when I was sitting down doing my most important thinking, which is where I do all my great thinking in the bathroom. <laughs> and the common denominator is in the quality of your shit. So when I was feeling good, I was having good, healthy bowel movements. And when I wasn't, I was either gas and having diarrhea or I was constipated. So it's about your shit. It's not about your food choices. So using the scientific method, right, uh, our food choices are the hypothesis. And our shit or our bowel movements are the conclusions of the results, so are your food choices important? Yes, they're important. I'm not sitting there and telling you that they're not important because they are. I'm just telling you we're looking at the wrong end. Mm -hmm. So there's no biometric finding that's almost more important than our bowel movements. Our bowel movements are the, one of the greatest indicators of our overall health. And we're missing it. You know, you got to check out your shit. You got to figure out how you're doing. Um, 
And I think I have a very unique approach to health. And I ask a very interesting question is, is what's healthier, a piece of salmon or a donut? And everyone says salmon, right? It's filled with nutrients, fatty oils, essential oils, good healthy thing. But that's not really true. The answer is, is a, a piece of salmon is not healthier than donuts because my niece Casey is severely allergic to fish. So if she were to have a piece of salmon, quite frankly, it's a life-threatening uh, situation for her and she's immediately rushing to the hospital. Whereas if she has a donut, she's happy, she's enjoying it. It's got some flour, it's got some egg. And it, a donut is healthier for my niece Casey than it is the salmon. Mm. And I'm using this point to illustrate the importance and the uniqueness of our food and our diets for our individual s- systems. So for me, salads are the worst thing I can eat. Every time I eat salad, I get diarrhea. I cannot digest it. It goes right through me. Oatmeal creates a lot of gas and bloating for me, whereas a turkey sandwich or eggs or, or peanut butter and jelly on a whole grain bread, I function a lot better on. Hmm. So um, you got to figure out what's the right diet for you. So I, I just think I make the joke that it's all bass backwards, right? So right. I think we, we got to look the other way. And that's what this book is all about. Awesome. I think it's revolutionary to discuss this and put it out there. And I love the title. It definitely catches your attention uh, because it, it, it really is important. You know, and, and again, in my practice and what I do, I work with clients and I talk about that and I've been doing it for a decade, but I haven't gotten really as present to the importance of poop since I got a dog um, about two years yeah. ago. And dog lovers out there, if you have a dog, you know how important it is to look at your dog's poop every time he or she poops, or the cat even. I don't know about cats, but uh, dogs for sure. Like, I know that is probably the number one conversation that my wife and I have nowadays. <laughs> it's like, yep. honey, did you take the dog out? Yeah. How did, how did she poop? Great. Yeah. Like, it was, a, it was a perfect poop today. It was, you know, and I mean, every time she does like we're so happy and elated because that's why we're telling whether she's healthy or not. And if it's like, if all is good, right, that's our only way of telling. And if it's not, we're like, Oh my God, what did she eat? Or what did, what what happened? Is she not feeling right? You know? So for sure, I think it's great. Yeah. It's the same thing with an infant, right? When you're changing the diaper, you're always checking out the poop. How was the poop? What was the color of the poop? Was it solid? Was it liquid? How was it? Right. And that then is the indication of how the baby's functioning. But for some reason, as we get older, that issue has become taboo and not even discussed. And it, it's just so important. Um, you know, I, I also, I interview a colorectal um, surgeon in the book because getting colonoscopies is so important because colon cancer is so prevalent. Um, you know, the, the, the star of uh, Black Panther passed away from colon cancer. Yeah. And, and you know, colonoscopies are so important because it's a painless test. Um, you know, the prep is not that bad. And the doctor in the book says three hours of diarrhea could save your life. So, mm-hmm. yes, the prep for three hours creates some diarrhea. But colon cancer is a completely preventable cancer and you need to get checked. And um, it's just so it's so vital. So based well, there's on also your... a test called the Cologuard, which mm, is what important is that? as well. What is that? It be, it, it's a fecal screening tests that um, can check out and see if, how your bowel movements are functioning and if there's um, a reason to check for colon cancer. Mm. So, you know, just taking a shit and looking at it is just so vital, right? So if it's coming out pencil thin, there's an indication that you may have a blockage. If it's, covering, if it's, if it's coming out hardened, it means that you're dehydrated. If it's coming out 
uh, black, it means that you're, you're bleeding in your upper GI. You know, y- your poop means stuff, and we got to check it out. Definitely. Um, uh, my doctor, uh, my general practitioner, said that I don't need to get a colonoscopy until I'm 50 and I'm 45. Would you agree with yes. that statement? They just, the colorectal uh, association just lowered that to 45. They actually. did, okay. Yeah. So colon cancer is asymptomatic, meaning yeah. you don't know you have it. It doesn't follow familial history. It just in, essentially comes out of nowhere, but it comes from people develop polyps, which are little growths, and then those growths turn into cancerous lesions. Mm. So if they see the growths, they cut out the growths, no more cancer, mm-hmm. or you prevent it from happening. Mm-hmm. So they've changed it to 45. Um, and then if you have a family history, they lowered it to 35 or 40. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I will tell yeah. you, it was bad at all. And, you know, you should, yep. you should get it checked. Definitely. Um, I'm, I'm due uh, next February. Uh, you know, it's only four or five months. Every, every January, February, right around the birthday. So I've got to um, bag it up. Yeah, definitely. No doubt. So, um, what is this book? How does it, so what do you get into the diets in this book as well, other than just examining your poop, like based on what you see or don't see, do you give recommendations on what they should eat or not eat and hydration and all that? Yes. So, you know, I was also going to call the book, the homeostatic diet, which basically means that the body is a self regulating mechanism. So too much or not enough of something is not a good thing, right? We want to strike that sweet spot. So, you know, oddly enough, even too much water can have uh, disastrous uh, consequences. Mm-hmm. So, again, we want to look at our shit, right? So, we have to figure out what's the right diet for you. So, you want to basically log your foods and tie it into your bowel movements. So, if you're somebody who's eating a really generally unhealthy diet, we want to pull the sugars, the alcohol, the sweeteners, the simple carbohydrates to get your body regulated. But there's also the people who are having the green drinks, the smoothies, the salads, eating the same foods over and over again, the athlete diets, and that could create a problem as well because that could put you on the complete other end of the spectrum. So based on where you're at, we're going to kind of try and bring you back to the middle. If you're not eating healthy enough, we're going to have you eat healthier. If we think that you're eating too healthy, we're going to recommend some grilled cheese sandwiches, some baked potatoes, some white pasta. You know, basically eat as if you're getting over a stomach bug of like chicken noodle soup, broiled fish, broiled chicken, and really kind of calm down the digestive system to let your bowel movements catch up. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there's a couple other suggestions of different diets in there as well. But again, each diet's unique to the individual. So we got, you got to figure that out on your own a bit. Definitely. I, I love that reset button uh, that you talked about right there about you giving your digestive system a break. Uh, my acupuncturist, who's I uh, would consider her my primary care physician, to be honest, because every time I get a little something, I go see her and it's been going on for over 15 years. I've, I haven't had an antibiotic in over uh, 16 years and uh, since my surgery that I had uh, on my back. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, she talks about like when I'm sick or not feeling well, like soups, you know, really light soups, even just a chicken broth or a vegetable broth. And then as you start like feeling better and like your energy starts building up, then you could introduce some vegetables and chicken because your metabolism and your digestive system is like, it uses the most energy of almost any part of your, of your body. Right. Is that right? I mean, Asian, Asian cultures speak of a yin and a yang. Indian cultures to discuss the pitta or the energy in the body. 
And our culture does not do a good job of getting out of the extremes, right? So we're all, even our diets are sitting in extremes. I mean, it's almost mm -hmm. comical because every time there's a diet that comes out, it gets refuted five years after the fact. And mm -hmm. things, you know, I grabbed a book off my wife's grandparents' shelves, the pasta diet. And now you're like, how can there be a pasta diet? that mm -hmm. and again we have to listen to our bodies and get in that balance for ourselves mm -hmm. and that's just so so important definitely you know i, I want to like talk about the word diet right it has such a negative connotation now more than anything and well, i because that's like, diet first yeah three, maybe, three, maybe. Three. <laughs> i you know and i, I want to like i want to demystify that i you know diet is just a it's a way of eating it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be a, a restriction like when people think of diet they think of a restricted calorie or restricted type of food way of eating it doesn't necessarily have to be a diet is just a way of eating it's a program yeah. it's a would you agree with that i would completely agree with that there's a lot of inter other interesting points i have in the book where um you know they're trying to study different cultures on longevity to try to figure out the right diet was so basically two diets came out that showed the best longevity. One was a Mediter Mediterranean diet, which was filled with fish and oil. And the other one was a French diet, which was filled with <laughs> lots of fats and cheeses, right? So the two diets were almost diametrically opposed, but they showed the same longevity. And the interesting thing is that, I mean, that completely stumped the researchers, but to me, it made the perfect sense because it's not just about the food. It's how we approach the foods. Um, how we're eating the foods are the contents of the quality of the ingredients. In those particular cultures, they're eating smaller portions. They're doing it around family. They're eating leisurely. They're resting and they're enjoying their food, which is very different than us grabbing a burger in the car and eating on the way to a meeting. Uh, I think the also thing is, is the very interesting thing is, is how your emotions play a role in the diet. So if you're eating a hot fudge sundae to celebrate an accomplishment, it's a complete different um, biochemical process than you're eat if you're eating a hot fudge sundae when you're depressed. Mm -hmm. So very frequently, people can go uh, on vacation, go wildly off their diet and feel fantastic. And if they had that diet uh, in their normal area, they'd feel terrible. Mm -hmm. So how you approach foods, the joy you're bringing to having the foods is just as important as the food you're eating themselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that kind of explains why someone can eat very little calories and not lose a pound and someone eats all the time and doesn't gain weight. Yes, mm. each person's metabolism is different, but the emotional approach to food is very, very important as well. Mm. So what would be your recommendation on really discovering your, within if it's your emotions or not? What are the, what are the, the, the tests or the measures to be able to see my – emotionally well enough uh to like is my, or let me rephrase the question am i am i am i emotionally distraught or is something right. going on with me emotionally that i i i'm having these symptoms rather than knowing whether it's the food like what's how do i know which is which so a very interesting question you know the example i use is that unfortunately when my father passed away i couldn't digest orange juice it was just, it burned my whole intestinal digestive system uh, because I was in such acute grief. And it took me about a year or so to the fact that then I was able to start drinking orange juice again. Mm -hmm. So we, we really want to dial in everything. Um, you know, it's really, you really want to be paying attention to how you feel, what you're eating and what you're excreting. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to go on vacation and your diet, your bowel movements, and you're feeling much better, 
the emotions are a big part because when you're on vacation, you got a whole lot more relaxed than when you're living in your regular situation. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing, again, is all intertwined. Yes, it is. And that's what makes it challenging because there are so many different parts to it. Um, and it isn't a very simple black and white answer where, you know, we, we as practitioners love to give our advice and opinions on things. And, you know, we think we, we might know, but really you have to be your own doctor as well. Would you agree with that too? I mean, we're facilitators. We, we, we offer the opportunity for you to perhaps see a perspective or learn something valuable that you can look within and diagnose for yourself almost in a way like people are their own best doctors and, and assessment um, takers. I mean, no one knows, no one knows their body better than themselves. So yeah. when I, when I interviewed the colorectal surgeon, he's like, when you're discussing normal bowel movements, it's really what's normal for you. So some people can go three times a day and some people can go three times a week. So just on your bowel movements, any kind of change in your regular bowel movements, that's what's concerning. Mm. So how's the ease? Is it coming out nice and easy? What does it look like? It should look like a sausage. Uh, it should come out, you sh- your bowel movement should be on a regular basis for you. And if it's not regular, if it's not coming out the way that it normally is, if it's looking differently, if it's more difficult to come out or whatnot, there's an issue and a problem and you want to immediately address it. Definitely. I think this is awesome. Well, this is a great book um, and I'm excited to get it. I'm thinking about getting several copies so I can hand it off to clients because it would be an easier conversation when I had something <laughs> oh, that was tangible um, you know, when I bring up the discussion of their poop. So uh, I'll definitely, definitely buy that. I know it's coming out today. Today is October 20th. This should air within the next day or two. So perfect timing. Um, so where again, can they purchase this? It'll be on Amazon. Uh, it's available on Amazon or all of it's available at my website, uh, com. So it's Dr. S I N E T T.com. Awesome. And we'll have that in the show notes as well. Um, is there anything in closing that you'd like to share with us, uh, in perhaps, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of a year, uh, an unprecedented year with so many different types of, uh, challenges that we're facing, uh, in this COVID, in the COVID, uh, environment, uh, keeping this on a health, you know, concern, uh, as well as stress, you know, and I think some of the, the uh, other conversations out there politically, financially, and otherwise business and, you know, the kind of the places that people are in or not in, you know, is causing tons of stress. From your perspective as a doctor, holistic practitioner, you know, wanting to see people healthy and well, what advice could you give us in ending out the year, you know, more in a positive direction than when we started? Yeah, I mean, for one, I threw a book into the universe called The Good Shit, because we all need what's better than a good shit. In a year that's been filled with bad shit, let's, let's have a good shit. But again, I want people to take away that we want to do everything we can to have good structural alignment and balance. So go for some good light exercise, eat right for your body, pay attention to your shit, work on reducing your stress levels, do everything you can to have a little fun in your life. Uh, it could be, again, going for a meditation. It could be going for a run but to put together your own plan that you're going to balance out your structural system, your emotional system and your diet and your digestive system. And all those things, you know, I kind of call it the law of compound interest and the law of compound interest can either work in your favor or work against you. And what you want to do is you want to have these small little wins that compound themselves over time into really some great results. So I urge you to develop some good habits and really kind of stick to them. 
Awesome. Great advice. Would definitely give that advice as well. So again, well, I love having you on the show. You're always welcome. Uh, keep on writing those books. You're inspiring, educating us. Uh, and thank you always for being just uh, having a very high standard and thinking outside the box in ways of where we can, where you can share your, your knowledge and wisdom in the health and fitness arena. Well, uh, thank you for this platform and giving me the ability to spread the gospel and uh, just, I mean, you're doing a wonderful, wonderful thing to allow people to come on to, you know, share every little bit of knowledge because that's what we have to do, right? We have to help as many people as we can. And the best way to help as many people as we can is spread the information that we know could be helpful. So uh, thank you for doing that. That's for sure. Uh, it's my pleasure. It's always great to have you on. Look forward to having you again soon. Until next time, everybody, stay healthy and fit. For more information or support on how you can be healthy and fit, visit my website at stevejordan.com or follow me on Instagram at stevejordanlifestyle. Subscribe to I Am Healthy and Fit wherever you are listening so you don't miss any future episodes that could better your health and fitness. One last favor, friends. Please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Your rating and comments not only help my podcast reach more people, but you could literally be saving someone's life who found it because of your feedback. Thanks again for listening and stay healthy and fit.